Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, at Real Chris Platy on all of the social medias. And joining me, I'm very excited for this guest because it's been a long time in the making. This is a guy I've known years back. I'm talking way, way back. My guy, Aaron Johnson, co-founder of Palace Pistons and contributor and writer for Def Pen Hoops and Basketball Breakdown. How you doing, man? Chris, it's great to talk to you again. It's been so long since we've potted, and I'm really just happy to be here. It's a great time. The year with basketball starting up, so good mood. I'm in a good mood. Oh, yeah, man. It's the best time of the year. <laughs> it's the best time of the year. Um, so let's get into it. So we are here for the Central Division. Now, you know, this is Aaron is one of the, is one of the go-to Piston experts here, so I had to get him for the Central Division podcast. But we're not going to start with the Pistons. We're going to start with the Bulls. We're going to work. We're going to work our way through the division. So, the Bulls, to me, um, you know, obviously this is a rebuilding year for them and part of their rebuilding phase, if you will. Um, so, to me, the most important thing for the Bulls this season, and I know I said the same thing with Atlanta, so I don't want to try. I don't want to repeat myself, but I think for rebuilding teams, it's the most important question is who is their core like they have to find out this year who is their core is it is it Lori marketed wendell wendell carter is it um is chris dunn in that in that core is he not um you know they got they got to figure out who is their entire core and start to build around that yeah i agree i think this is a, an exciting young team i don't think they'll be particularly good this year but there are some pieces that I'm intrigued to to watch, and it starts with, I think for me personally, Zach Levine. Obviously, he's had his injury issues, but he can he still has freak athleticism and can score the ball in multiple facets. Then you have your front court and, and Wendell Carter Jr. and Lowry Markkinen. When he comes back, those two are going to be an, an exciting pairing to watch. Obviously, Markkinen is a great scorer, rebound the ball, and then Wendell Carter Jr. Can be, is probably the best defensive player out of this year's draft. So there's a lot of talent, um, at least as a youth. There's a lot of youth talent with this roster. Then you have other guys. You mentioned Chris Dunn. There's Chandler Hutchinson, who's a rookie. And then they have uh, Jabari Parker. You know What does he bring to the table this year? Obviously, he struggled in preseason, especially on the defensive end. 
but he's a talented scorer. We know he can score the ball from a three-point line. He can score inside. He has the ability to score the basketball. They're paying him $20 million a year. Is he worth that? You know, the Bulls, I don't think, are going to be that competitive this year, so I think it's okay for them to be paying him that much money this year. But down the line, are they going to want to re-sign him for that high of a price? Yeah. Yeah, I see I see uh, Jabari Parker. I see this as a one-year kind of stopgap thing. That's an interesting point that you brought up um, because I wonder just how much of um, – in hindsight, I wonder how much of a good move it is just because two of your two of your premier um, core players, Wendell Carter and Lloyd Marketing, are I mean, would you say would you say both are best at the power forward position or do you see Wendell Carter as more of a center? I think for the way this team is is made, I think you would want them to be able to share the floor together. I think right. that means Wendell Carter's the center and, and Markinen's the power forward. And both those guys have great upside and great potential. And for uh, and I was I've been a big Jabari Parker supporter throughout his career, but at this point, he doesn't deserve to be taking minutes from those two, especially for a team that's rebuilding. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, so it's interesting to see where exactly he'll and he'll um, how exactly he'll play it play into the role in Chicago. But I I get what I get it for Chicago. I mean, you know, you take a flyer on a guy. Who knows? He might end up being, um, you know, a a kind of a six man or part of a of a three man rotation in your front court, like like what the Pelicans have with Anthony Davis, uh, Miritich, and Julius Randle. Now, all three of those guys can't play together, but um, but those are three good guys, and that's a strong three man rotation up front that you can have one to two uh, good players on the floor at all times in your front court, which is which is a nice asset to have. So it's good if they can if if Jabari Parker pans out and can stay for the right price. But um, do you think there's a chance that? Uh, and I'm just kind of spitballing here at this point. But do you think there's a chance that Jabari Parker is actually bought out or traded? I don't know who would trade for his contract. I think it's yeah, a two-year, and it's at twenty million annually. So you're paying a pretty high price. It's a team option, right? Oh, is it a team option? Well, I'll, I'll I'll fact check that, but um, keep going. Go ahead. I just don't I don't think that there are going to be many suitors for Parker. Uh, I think the Bulls were like the only. I mean, obviously there was you know Milwaukee didn't match his contract offer from the Bulls, so not everyone thinks he's worth twenty million dollars. And the way he's played and he played in preseason doesn't indicate that he's worth that either. If he can come back and he'll probably begin the year starting because Laurie Markin is, is injured. But if he's not playing good basketball and he moves to the bench and still isn't having the success you'd want, a guy that you're paying $20 million to, I'm, the Bulls are going to be in a pretty uh, bad situation with that and may end up having to buy him out. But you got to hope that Parker can put it together. He's still relatively young. Obviously, the injuries are an issue, but you got to hope that there's still talent left in him and he can kind of at least become okay on defense and his offensive game can flourish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And for the record, it is a team option on the second year. Um, so that obviously helps Chicago a lot in that deal. Um, that's very friendly to Chicago then. Uh, but let, let's, let's hit the over under with Chicago. Um, cause I don't want to spend too much time on them. No offense to Bulls fans. Um, 
But their over-under is currently at 27.5. Um, so obviously this is a team that's actually that – I, that I, I don't know if they have a lot of offensive talent. I don't know if that offensive talent meshes together too well. And um, defense is a whole nother question. So for that for that reason, I'm going under just because I think that I think that they're, the East is a little better than than people anticipate. So I think there's going to be some teams that take advantage of the Bulls, and I'm just not quite sure. Offense is offense is clearly their strong suit, but I'm not sure how all of these players fit, like Zach Levine, Jabari, Market, and Wendell Carter. Um, I, I'm not sure how that rotation, that's that's a rotation of talented players, but I'm not sure they fit together. I'm taking the under as well. I think you look at this team and it's just, it's kind of a hodgepodge of, right. of guys. You, know, you mentioned Markkinen and Carter Jr. and Jabari Parker. All three of those players, three of probably the Bulls' best players, three of the top five or so. Like the their primary position, except I think Carter Jr. is more of a center, but he could also play a power forward. Those are three guys that all may be best suited as power forwards. Um, you know, Chris Dunn is a, is a nice young player, but does he have enough of an offensive game to be a starting level point guard? We know he can defend, um, but defense is going to be an issue for this Bulls team. Besides Dunn and Carter Jr. and Robin Lopez, there's not a ton of guys on this roster that have an inspiring game on the defensive side of the floor. And I'm not. I don't really buy into Fred Hoiberg as a coach. I mean, he's maybe he's decent, but he's not a good enough coach to take this kind of a group and take them anywhere near, you know, a playoff spot. I agree. I agree. Let's transition to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So obviously, um, among among their their off season was um, losing LeBron James, um, Jeff Green, who also turns out, according to Bradley Beal, is also LeBron James. <laughs> um, uh, they lost Jose Calderon, who signed with the Detroit Pistons. Kendrick Perkins were waived, and they brought it. They brought in um, Channing Fry, Colin Sexton, and Sam Decker in a nice trade with the Clippers. I actually liked for Cleveland, as well as um, they extended Kevin Love to a massive contract extension. Um, Rodney Hood si- uh, signed the qualifying offer, and most recently today, it was announced that Larry Nance signed a four-year, forty-five million dollar contract. Um, so Cleveland's clearly committed to this to this roster and wanting to be as good of a or a playoff team as long as possible. They don't want another full on rebuild. Is that is that the right move for Cleveland? No, it's not because this roster isn't. I don't. I think they're kind of in the same area as the Bulls. They're not good enough to compete for a for a playoff spot. Kevin Love is a good player. But I don't think he's going to return to the form now that he's going to be the primary option. I don't think he's going to return to that form that he played at when he was with the Timberwolves. He's still a fine player. He's still probably an all-star. But the the team around him is not good enough to really compete for a playoff spot. They have some nice pieces. You know, specifically, a guy that I like is David Nwaba. I thought that was a nice signing for them. He can, can, he can come in and he can contribute right off the bat. Um, you know, he's still somewhat young. He's only been in the league for two years. I like that they were able to get back Rodney Hood. I think Rodney Hood still got some talent. But I look at the rest of this roster and, you know, Jordan Clarkson, J.R. Smith, George Hill, Tristan Thompson. I just see a lot of contracts that are bloated and for guys that I don't think are 
good enough to to play heavy minutes and and win a lot of games. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with that. I don't think this is a playoff team, especially due to the fact that they're. Um, I know they have George Hill still, but they're giving the keys essentially to Colin Sexton as well. And I'm not sure a rookie point guard, despite it being the Eastern Conference, can lead uh, can be can carry a team to the playoffs, um, especially and with Kevin Love too. Like, okay, it this whole Minnesota Love thing. As much as I love Kevin Love, and I and I would love to see that happen. Well, I just use the word love a lot, but um, but <laughs> I, I think he's. I think it's realistic to to expect seventy to eighty percent of that Kevin Love. Like he's not going to be that Kevin Love Minnesota, just all out all out beast. And you got to factor in. I mean, Love is a guy who plays anywhere from fifty to sixty sixty five games. Like if if you get sixty five games out of Kevin Love, that's a pretty good season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. You know, he's not going to play all eighty two, which for a team that doesn't have other top tier players like Kevin Love, that's a problem. Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't see really any way for them to to creep into the playoffs in this situation. Yeah, I I agree, and I and I think they're totally going about this the wrong way. This rebuild. Um, and you guys and and listeners of the podcast know I like to shit on Cleveland. This time I'm genuinely not. Um, I'm genuinely not like I I think this is the wrong move, especially because you just tied forty five million dollars or you, you just tied forty five million dollars to Larry Nance after signing Kevin Love to a huge contract, and both those guys are power forward. Like I mean, you can play Love at the center, but uh, but I, I I don't know. That's a lot of money invested in in a front court, um, and not to mention Tristan Thompson still on the books. Um, you know, J.R. Smith's on his contract. Like it's like you said, it's a bunch of bloated contracts. These guys are all fine on if you're doing like a fantasy draft on 2K and you don't have to worry about the salary cap. These guys are all fine, like eight, ninth, tenth man ro- rotation players. But the problem is these guys these guys that I named are starting or like key contributors. And that's why I don't think this is a playoff right. team. Um, they're oh, yeah. There's, go ahead. What were you gonna say? There's just enough, there's just not enough talent on this roster, and I think it worries me that Cleveland is continuing to pour money into this group when their their situation just screams start the rebuild. Yeah. You know, they re-sign Kevin up. They lock him in for a contract that's going to be paying him you know, 30 plus million into his thirties. I kind of think that the Larry Nance jr. Contract is a bit of an overpay at $45 million over four years. He's a fine backup big, but at 10, you know, more than 10 million a year kind of scares me. Like the kind of bug, but a bug in the butt for Detroit. Yep. So it's not a contract that inspires me. And then George Hill's making 19 million. Tristan Thompson's making 17 and a half. JR is making $15 million, and you got Jordan Clarkson, who's making $12.5 million himself. So they have a ton of money committed to these guys. They're seven, eight, nine-man in a rotation, not 30-minute-a-night guys. Yeah, I agree. So their over-under is at 30 and a half, though, which is which is pretty low. Um, that doesn't that projects them to be currently, um, if, if we're going off all of the um, – all of the uh, the the over unders that would put them at like eleventh in the con- at eleventh in the conference. Um, so with that being said, I might actually I might actually 
I'm I'm gonna go with a slight under. I think thirty is like the right number for them. I think anywhere from thirty to thirty two, thirty three is is where I have them in this season. I'm with you a hundred percent on that. I it's like so that spot is is very fitting. It's like they could trend either way by a couple games on either side. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. All right, let's jump to the next team, uh, the team we've both been waiting for, the Detroit Pistons. So the Pistons, all right, I'm just going to put this philosophy out there. Um, I'm just going to put this idea out there, and let me see Let me see what you think. So the Pistons upgraded their coach, have a better roster, and hopefully, I know I know right now it's, it's not, it, it, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not entirely uh, realistic to be hopeful, but hopefully a healthy Reggie Jackson. And remember, this team was twenty-seven and eighteen with him last year, and twelve and twenty-five without him. Is it crazy to think that the Pistons are more the more likely outcome for the Pistons is fifth slash sixth seed, or then out of the playoffs? Or am I or am I just being uh, too optimistic? I'll tell you what I I'm all in. On this Pistons team, <laughs> I really think I have a lot of talent there. And Reggie Jackson looked very good the last few games of preseason. He looked comfortable. He looked like he had his motor. He looked like he had his bounce. He was shooting the ball well. Blake Griffin looked really good in limited minutes. Dwayne Casey is a good coach. Like this is a coach of the year, and, and teams don't just get to add a coach of their a coach of the year every season. It doesn't yeah. work like that. So the add a very good coach they make improvements in glenn robinson the third it'd be a free agency they're gonna have young guys like luke Kennard and stanley johnson who should take the next step they have bruce brown who i think if he gets a shot can succeed links in galloway's played very well in preseason i think i really think this is a team that could push for the fifth or sixth seed and i i just don't really see how they missed the playoffs i think there's just unless they aren't healthy unless reggie jackson and blake griffin both go down I just think this team has too much talent to miss. Yeah, I agree. And and to be fair though, those are those are two players that it it's not that it that it's not entirely crazy to think that both of those players could go down for good stretches of the season. Like I I mean, how many games do you realistically expect Blake Griffin to play this year for Detroit? As you got to hope that he's playing 70 at least, yeah. but in reality that probably trending closer to 60 yeah i would i would agree i think i think if you get 65 70 or more you're you're happy oh i'd be very happy if blake griffin played 70 games this year yeah. that'd be that very good yeah i i i agree and and with reggie i mean how many are are we expect are we expecting him i mean is it the the thing is with his injuries is he's been injured the last couple of years but none of them are are related so it kind of almost right. like like the 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 ankle last year was a total fluke, right? Like here's right here's my theory with Reggie Jackson. I don't think he has like an injury bug because, like you said, those his injuries have been fluke related, and I also think he'll have a, a higher tendency to stay healthier this year because he'll have less responsibility with the ball in his hands mm-hmm. because of Blake Griffin, because of Andre Drummond, because of Luke Kennard, because of those other guys. They can handle the ball, initiate the offense. Jackson is going to be used a little bit more off the ball. He's not going to have you know the defense cratered on him the entire time. I think that should help him. Just kind, of, you know, it should be more helpful than it will be bothersome to him, at least health wise. Yeah, 
I I agree. I think I think the Pistons are. I think the Pistons are poised for. I think I think if you're if if you're someone that wanted to buy in on this Pistons team ever since that playoff run a couple years back, which seems like forever ago, um, that they made the playoffs and got swept by the Cavs in the first round, but played them well for four games. Um, I think this is the year you buy in. Like I said, you have a new coach, a coach of the year. Um, you have you have Blake you have Blake Griffin for a full season. You have an overall better roster. You can expect some internal improvement for, from some key players. Um, and you know this is a team that you expect you expect a healthier Reggie Jackson in the last three seasons. So I, I I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about about this team moving forward. Buy your stock now. That's that's really what it is at this. Point. Yeah, I agree. And they got championship pedigree with Zaza Pachulia. So oh god. god. <laughs> so all right. Um. So thirty-seven and a half. We're both hitting hitting the over. Um. I think. I think I'm hitting it pretty comfortably. I got them at at 42 wins. Yeah, I think they can I think they can get up to 45, 46 wins. I, agree. I think this is if they're healthy, I think that they can definitely do that. I think this is just a good enough team. They have more depth than they did in previous seasons. Um I think this they they I think Glenn Robinson and Zaza are going to help that bench unit a lot. I like Glenn Robinson the third's versatility. Um, and you got to think that Luke Kennard and Stanley Johnson are each going to grow a little bit, especially Luke Kennard. And again, the health. Like if Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson are healthy, we know how good this team is when those guys are on the floor. We see it in the record every time Jackson is in and then Jackson goes down. We see how much this team craters. We see how good this team is when Jackson plays. We see that there are, they play at a pace of a 50, 60 win team when Jackson is healthy. So. Health is the key for this team, as sad as that is, and as worrisome as that is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I hate to be cliche and say you know health is the key, but it really is when two two of your uh, three best players have a um, have questionable um, or have a less than stellar health resume these last these last couple seasons. But one last thing I want to touch on um, real quickly that we didn't get to touch on is Stanley Johnson. Now, if there is you know, you and I were both. I remember back when the Pistons drafted him. You and I talked, and we were both very, very, extremely optimistic on Stanley Johnson. Thought he was going to be a hell of a player for the Pistons moving forward, and obviously that hasn't panned out. Um, I think. I think though. Am I crazy? Am I crazy or biased or naive to think that a lot of it was just him and Stan Van Gundy just didn't click, and that a new coach, especially a players' coach like Dwayne Casey could really bring the best out of him. They didn't click. They didn't click whatsoever. And when this offseason, there was uh, a video of Stanley Johnson saying some quote by Gilbert Arenas that could kind of be perceived as at a, as a shot to Stan Van Gundy. I think there's still, there's still something inside Stanley Johnson that Dwayne Casey can unlock. And there, were, there was times throughout the preseason that Johnson showed that. I think it's going to take time. But it looks like Stanley Johnson has won the starting uh, small forward spot away from uh, Glenn Robinson III and Luke Kennard. And I think that's a testament to, well, not only the belief that Casey has in him, but that Johnson is playing well and he's showing that he, you know, he, he can be a part of this team's future. Yeah, 
I and man, I hope I hope you're entirely right on Stanley Johnson. I I just if if it doesn't work this year, man, I really think that I I really think that he's going to be I I can't help the feeling that he's one of those guys that like maybe that he doesn't hit for the he's one of those high lottery picks that just doesn't work with the first team and needs to go to a second team and then he unlocks his full potential. And I would hate for that to happen, but I'm hoping that by having a new infrastructure, a new coach, a new front office, that hopefully this is this is essentially his second team, and that he's able to uh, that he's able to fully blossom. But let's jump to Indiana now. So Indiana to me is the most in, one of the most interesting teams in the conference, if not the most interesting team, just for the simple fact that. Nobody in the world saw what they were what they were doing last year. They went um, they went all the way to the fifth seed and pushed the Cavs all the way to seven games. And in a game seven, where it looked like there were stretches where they were actually going to win this and and pull off that that upset, um, Victor Oladipo was All NBA. It was it it was truly I think the best season Indiana could have had. And so it's very very hard for me to um to buy to just assume to just assume that they're going to be that level again or even better even though I like all of their offseason acquisitions so let me just highlight their their offseason acquisitions so they so they lost Al Jefferson Glenn Robinson the third who we talked about who signed with Detroit and Lance Stevenson who signed with the Lakers um and they brought in Tyreek Evans Doug McDermott Kylo Quinn three really great um Three really great uh, acquisitions in my eyes, and then Aaron Holiday and and Elise Johnson were draft picks number twenty three and fifty respectively. Um, so they had a they had a good off season, a strong off season, but I just I feel like they just really really overachieved last year. So it's it's I don't know I don't know what to do with Indiana. It's crazy because I feel the exact same way, and I think it starts with Victor Oladipo. He was really, really good last year, and his jump was obviously, you know, of high magnitude. But I also feel like he may come back down to earth a little bit this year. And you know, I like st- I'm not like trying to hate on him. Like I think he's a fantastic young player, and I, it was like, great to see him evolve his game. But it feels like he kind of overachieved, like the team did as a whole. They did make a lot of good moves this offseason. The bench that they have now is is much deeper than it was last year. You know, you like Doug McDermott. Obviously, Tyreek Evans can play. They just re-upped Miles Turner. So there's talent on this team. This should be a team that is right there for 4-5-6 in the East. Um, But I also feel like they could regress a little bit, and it's definitely going to be one of the teams that I'm watching closely throughout the year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I have league pass for the first time this year, and I'm definitely going to be watching them for um, for many reasons. I I think I think it's um, and and not to totally go back to the Pistons here, but I think it's poss- I think I think it's realistic to see them both on a similar playing field. Like I I think I think there's a clear there there's the cons- the general consensus among NBA is that there's a clear separation between Indiana and Detroit, and I just quite frankly don't see that i could see both of these teams being neck and neck for anywhere from five to six in the conference i hope so i i mean 
I, I on paper I feel like Detroit has the better roster. But the way Indiana played last year, you know, they were the better team. So again, that's that's something that's going to be interesting to watch play out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Indiana is definitely a team to watch. Even though, like I said, I like everything they've done in a vacuum, and but I just I'm very I'm very weary. I was skeptical of the Blazers when they made their large jump a couple of seasons back, and they ended up and they ended up um, not missing the playoffs, but getting like seventh or eighth the very the very next season in the in the playoffs and and being basically fodder in the first round. So it the the league has shown a history of these teams that make miraculous jumps that they somewhat come back down to earth. Like, um, like, I mean, like you can even, you can even say Detroit, you know, when they made the playoffs and they had 44 wins and then they regressed to what was it like 38 wins and out of the playoffs the next year. Right. So this kind of stuff happens in the NBA. And I think that, I think that it's, it's not a full on safe assumption for Indiana to be, as good or better than they were, even though even though you would, one would think that with with their upgraded roster. So, their over under is at let's see here. Their over under is at forty seven and a half. Yeah, I'm hitting the under. I think this is as, not a forty five win team. I agree. Like, yeah, now we're we're in, we're on the same page with this Indiana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I agree, man. I think I think that Indiana's just a they're they're a tough team. I think. I think though, if all things break right, I think this could be a fifty-win team. Yeah, I mean, like they made good, they made good moves in the offseason. and if Victor Oladipo is the same level of player as he was last season, or even grows a little bit, you know, what kind of leap does Miles Turner, Demonis Sabonis, TJ Leaf, what do those young guys have to grow with? How good of a bench is this really going to be? If those things all hit, yeah, this team can push for fifty wins. I think, I think that's fair. I just don't foresee all of that happening. Yeah, I, I don't even even though, like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, reason to be optimistic. I mean, replacing Lance Stevenson with Tyreek Evans. I mean, the list goes on. They they did a great job. So, um, I don't want to come off as as Haiti with Indiana, but let's transition to the last team in the conference and the team that. Man, I know I said this for the last couple of teams, but I think I'm really pissed in fandom aside. I think I'm most excited for the Milwaukee Bucks because they finally got a coach. They finally got a nice. coach. They, they got Coach Bud. Um, they their off season was what? I mean, their off season wasn't um, wasn't wasn't that big as far as um, acquisitions. They added Brook Lopez, who I thought was a real nice get for them. Um, they drafted. They drafted uh, Dante. How do you say his last name? I always mix it. I always mess it up. What was that? DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo. Ben. Gotcha. Um, and Ilyasova as well. Our boy, Ersan Ilyasova, the charge king, the charge god. Love him. Uh, yeah. Um, they lost Brandon Jennings. Pour one out. That's that's our guy as well. Um, and, of course, Jabari, Jabari Parker. So what is 2013? Jesus. Yeah. Brandon Jennings and Eric Sova. <laughs> Man, um shout out, shout out the Bucks for copying the Pistons blueprint. <laughs> but no, um uh, I I like I I really like what they did this offseason. Of course, the biggest acquisition to me was signing coach Bud. Um 
who's a great coach. Now, we know that Milwaukee, the, the talk has already been that Milwaukee's going to play faster, and we've seen that a little bit in preseason. Um, but what else do you think the, What else do you think Budenholzer adds to the Bucks or, or will add to the Bucks that, that will help take them to the next level? Well, I think the offense is just going to be so much more effective. Uh, you know, Malcolm Brogdon was coming off the bench last year. Uh, he has no business doing that with this roster. He's a good enough player to start. He's going to start this year. Uh, their starting lineup is intriguing. Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and then Brooke Lopez. I just, I think there's, I think that's a good group. I like the spacing. If Giannis can shoot the ball a little bit better, um, I, I just, there's so, there's, there's a lot to like. And, and Mike Budenholzer is such an effective coach. He's always been that. I think that he's going to unlock a little bit more out of Giannis. Arizona is always going to help that bench. This is a team that sorely lacks shooting, and they add a little bit of shooting with Eric Bledsoe. Or, excuse me, not Eric Bledsoe. Arizona Leosova and Brooke Lopez. So uh, a good offseason for the Bucks, and they, they have the, the potential to take that next step as a, as a roster. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Milwaukee is going to be really, really good. Um, and I and I hate to be uh, premature here, but let's get to that over under because to me, I'm I'm smashing the over on it. It's for it's forty six and a half. I think this is easily a fifty win team. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. I think they can. Yeah, I think they're forty eight to fifty ish. Um, I'm not sure how much I believe in the depth of this team. I think the starting five is good, but if an injury happens to Chris Middleton or Giannis, you know. Where does that depth come from on the wing? I'm a little bit concerned in that kind of an area, but if they're healthy, this is a very good ball club. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know they just can do so much. I mean, you know, we we of course talk about how Giannis can do anything one through five, but you know, you also have you also have all sorts of you have traditional fives like John Henson you can throw in. You have um, you have stretch fives like Brooke Lopez you can throw in. You can mix and match so many different things, and that's why I think Bud is just going to have so much fun offensively because he's never coached a player of Giannis's caliber before. He took that Atlanta team to 60 wins, and that Atlanta team was good. I'm not trying to disrespect it. It was it was a great collection of players, but it was but there wasn't a superstar or a top tier player like he's got to be just drooling at the chance to coach Giannis for the next you know four or five years. It's going to be great to watch. I think there's. I think Giannis still can take that next step. I really think there's one more level to his game, as crazy as that may sound, because of as good of a player as he already is. But yeah, no, you're you're spot on. Bud's never had a player of this talent, and it's going to be very intriguing to see how uh, how Giannis shines under him. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, that wraps up the Central Division preview podcast. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. So, Aaron, I want you to I want you to plug your stuff because you could probably do it better than I do because I know you're doing a lot of work. So, go ahead. Okay. Well, yeah. So, if you want to follow my Pistons website, Palace of Pistons. You can follow us on Twitter at Palace of Pistons. Pretty simple. Our website's at our website. Excuse me, is palaceofpistons.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at a Johnson NBA. So, yeah. I mean, I appreciate you calling me to be on today. I had a good time. And it was good catching up with you, man. And we we don't get to talk as much as we used to, so this was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. It, this was this was really fun, man. This was this was long overdue in my eyes. 
Yo, for sure. It was it was great. I really, really enjoyed it, and I, I cannot wait to be back on. All right, man. See ya. Thank, thanks for coming on. For sure. All right, before I get to some house cleaning stuff, I want to send one last thank you to Aaron Johnson for coming on the podcast. Like he said, this was a long overdue collaboration. I'm a big fan of his. Go check out his work. Um, if you missed it, the links will be in the description of this podcast. And thank you. If you're listening for the first time, I greatly appreciate it. My name is Chris Platty. You can find me on all the social medias at Real Chris Platty. And you can find my content, Strictly Hip Hop and Strictly Hoop Talk, two different podcasts, one covering hip hop, one covering NBA, but they're both in the same feed. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, pretty much wherever you consume your podcast content. So thank you everyone for listening. And there is more NBA and more hip-hop stuff on the horizon very, very soon, so stay tuned.